Welcome back to the Giving Grace Matters podcast. This is episode four. This episode reveals how a grace-based approach to leadership gives us a net gain of inclusion and innovation. As you continue to listen, I want to remind you of the experiential design of this podcast. At the end of each episode, you are invited to do a small activity that helps to build your fluency with grace-based actions. To access the complete activity guide, visit givinggracematters.com. In our last episode, we identified how a grace-based approach to leadership can show up in second chances and convert mistake-making into continuous learning. Now, we will explore how grace can leverage inclusion and innovation. Let's start with inclusion, which is a state of being valued, respected, and supported. It is about ensuring that the right conditions are in place for each person to achieve full potential. Keep in mind that maximizing one's potential is for both the follower and the leader. The benefit of inclusion is not one-sided or zero-sum. It's synergistic, which means that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Synergy in organizations is when inclusion is ripe, and to get there, leaders benefit from the grace-based groundwork of compassion, authentic kindness, and respect for human dignity. Celia edwards Karam, the Capital One Retail Bank president, not only considers grace as a space for learning from mistakes, but she also thinks about it as inclusion. I do think there's a version of grace that also extends into what I might call inclusion uh, in the sense of giving grace and space for a, a broad variety of perspectives, feelings, ways of interacting sort of along that path. So there's a version of grace that also connects to the word inclusion for me. No doubt that you have heard leaders make pledges to promote inclusion, but research has shown that these commitments fail when there is no system for following through. This is where a grace-based approach to leadership comes in. When managers can ongoingly demonstrate a commitment to listening, managing bias, and recognizing others, then more of an inclusive culture is available. A manager who has a my way or the highway style of leadership is simply not available to hear alternatives, to identify blind spots, or to collaborate on building something better. Celia shared with me a story about how she almost missed a critical decision, but with her inclusive framework, she was able to change her mind and achieve a better and unexpected outcome. I lead an organization in the banking space, and so obviously one of the the big things we're constantly doing is thinking about how best to create the right outcome for customers while also creating the right outcome for the business. How do you make those two things line up? And there was an individual on my team, I'll call him Paul, who was sort of advocating for this product that we should be pursuing. Um, And he was fairly relentless in his sort of advocacy for the product. Uh, And I think after a while, the thing I started to hear was, a bit of self-serving because if we had gone down the path of building this product, um, his team would have to get more resources. He'd have a big result on his plate for the year, which is obviously you know um, beneficial from a performance perspective. And so I started to hear everything he was saying in this context of sort of 
solving for himself, which, you know, but right. I, I then had a pretty negative reaction to. Uh, and then at some point I realized that I needed to pause and, and sort of think about the assumptions I was applying to what he was saying, as opposed to what was, you know, what Paul was actually saying. And so I sat down, I had a conversation and I actually just sort of named it honestly. And I said, Hey, I'm actually kind of struggling because this feels a little self-serving, but I also think that there's like maybe a different interpretation that I'm not, I'm not sort of being aware of. And I didn't use the word grace in that dialogue, but I think that's where that was going, right? Is sort of giving grace and space to say, well, what if there's not a self-serving motivation here? Like, what if there's a different thing and I'm missing what that is, which might be really important to my team. And, you know, true to form, what he talked me through was actually understanding the, in this particular case, there was a set of like fraud outcomes that were occurring that were very bad for customers. And so if we went down the path of this product, we would really help customers in this way. But he had this, you know, unique visibility to these fraud outcomes that I wasn't seeing. But had I not thought to ask him the question, I would have dismissed his idea out of my perception of it being sort of a self-serving driven thing. And instead leaning on the idea that actually the vast majority of people are not self-serving and there might be some other thing going on. And then kind of using that to um, ask some questions led to a much better outcome. One potential barrier to inclusion is time. By increasing participation and allowing for more and different input when appropriate, there may be a concern that efficiency can be compromised. When I challenged Celia with that assumption of risk, she countered that the front-end investment in inclusive decision-making both saves time and improves quality in the long run. I think there are a couple of aspects there. And again, I'm, I'm going to leverage our grace as inclusion framework. One is, even when trying to move fast, I'm going to make a better decision if I've been able to get the points of view from all the kind of key players in the decision-making. And so if in my desire to move fast, I seek the input of two when what I really needed was the input of five or six, I may have made my decision quickly, but the error rate of that decision is going to be higher. So it's going to cost me more time in the long run. I feel like I've proven that point to myself a couple times over with mistakes. Um, and so I, I, you know, I feel very confident then that we get to better answers when we pull in, you know, what I'll call the full team. That's kind of thing one. Thing two is when I invest on a, in a regular basis of creating space and inclusion in my team so that they know that I'm genuinely listening to their contributions, it actually then can move very quickly, right? So sort of, I can open up a point of view. I don't have to invest a bunch of time to say, hey, this is just my point of view. I really want to hear what you have to say because they've seen me demonstrate the fact that I really want to hear what they have to say time and time again. So they take it as a point of view and an opening of a conversation, not a declaration. It's kind of thing one. Thing two, when I'm creating that environment on a regular basis, the team is more likely to jump in with their points of view. I don't have to fish for it, right? So it doesn't have to take that much time. And then lastly, I think tactically, it's actually quite easy to say, hey, we've heard from you know half the group on this thing. Let's pause for a moment. Are there any places where people are worried or concerned that we haven't heard from yet? This is a great time to kind of put your voice in the room and then just shut up for a moment and see what happens. Sometimes that's enough. Sometimes the people who are quiet, that's actually that they're on board. They just didn't say anything because they were trying to 
you know, move the meeting along. And if someone had something to say, that that is the moment um, in which they get to say it. And so I think the speed that's lost is actually relatively minimal if you're investing in grace-based leadership on an ongoing basis. Now let's talk about grace and innovation, which represents not only the brilliance of breakthroughs, but also something as simple as making a useful upgrade. Kieran Honda Gaudioso, the CEO of the United Way of Northern New Jersey, works closely with her team to create opportunities. And with many people to serve and limited resources to do it, they constantly have to innovate their way forward. At her organization, they are able to be more innovative because of how they cultivate a grace-based environment. To me, it's the ability to take risks, maybe make a mistake, you know, have a Monday morning quarterback moment and know that your boss and your team has your back. I think, especially in our sector, we are forced to innovate on the fly every day. I mean, it's what I love about it, right? But you can innovate and be reactive and responsive and opportunistic and community centered if you don't have that foundation of grace in the workplace. The example of Kieran's team highlights how the quality of the relationships enables the task to be accomplished. Let's hear again from E.E. Sue, the journalist we met earlier in this podcast series. E.E. seeks to create breakthrough conversations with divergent viewpoints, having hosted meetings with Al Gore's Climate Reality Project and Mountain Towns 2030, which seeks collaborative agreement on challenging climate issues from varied stakeholders. She contends that the value of grace is influential when it tempers fear and judgment so that innovation can emerge. When you have the inclusion, you achieve even greater outcomes. When you think about environments in your past experiences, whether it's work or or in teaching environments, when you're in a state of fear because you're going to be judged or there's going to be negative consequences, you don't take risks. You may not try to innovate. When you create an environment of openness, everybody can contribute. The innovation, the ideas that come forth, you know, there's a cascade of them. We heard so far that when grace-based leaders have your back, diffuse judgment, and respect opinions, then the focus can be on the work to innovate rather than relationship breakdowns. Innovative work requires fresh thinking to stay competitive and resourceful. Having the grace to understand that is what sets leaders apart, even when it means that their own roles might need to change to make room for someone or something else. When a team sources similar backgrounds or familiar experiences, it can end up magnifying limitations, not eliminating them. This is when the type of grace that includes compassion for self can access a mindset of abundance instead of scarcity. Chris Donnelly shared with me a story from his experience at Oakley where he had the instinct for how to be innovative. And as a senior executive, he intentionally disrupted the leadership composition of the company which ultimately shifted his career path. His strategy combined inclusion and innovation, but in order to do that, he had to use his personal capital of being a trusted leader. When I went to Oakley, Oakley was about 93% male, 7% female. Nature of the business, highly military, highly athletic, very macho. And that just, that came with the founder and everything that was in the business. But when I I hired in, I had some experience that said, actually, no, man, the greatest advantage I'm going to have 
is that I'm going to make my team 50-50 because I already know from prior experience the value that women bring to my teams. And I have, in a selfish context, used that benefit for my own success. At Oakley, that meant I went out of my way to do it. But when I proposed three years down the road that a woman would become the lead VP of men's sunglasses at Oakley, that was a shock to the rest of the company. It, I would take some hits for that, but I wanted to back her into that role because I truly felt she would be the best. I, you know, I recognize both. It came at a cost, but it was a perceived cost that isn't as high as you think as long you're willing to, to show the courage and truly believe in it. And then that actually came back to me in spades, which was, she not only succeeded, she, you know, she, she exceeded my expectations and everyone else's. And that's a, that's a context. You have to be willing to make that kind of a bet to come back and see that these 25 women at Oakley now essentially run Oakley. <laughs> you know, it's, it's 10 years later. In this episode, we explored two benefits of a grace-based approach to leadership, inclusion and innovation. Let's continue to name it when we see a space for grace. The next activity in your plan of action to apply these ideas is to create a simple three-question scorecard about your current state of inclusion and innovation. Give the scores a range from one to five, with one being never and five being always. The first question is, to what extent do I create a space for inclusion in my organization? The second question is, to what extent do I create a space for innovation in my organization? The final question is, am I the type of leader who will respond to what is showing up in this assessment? In our next and final episode, we will talk about how you can develop a practice for a grace-based approach to leadership. I'll meet you there.